Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive help supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello again and welcome to Foreplay Radio Sex Therapy. I'm your host, certified sex therapist Lori Watson, author of Wanting Sex Again, and blogger at Psychology Today and WebMD. And I have with me Dr. Adam Matthews, my co-host, who's a couples therapist, psychotherapist, and president of NCAMFT. Foreplay is dedicated to helping couples keep it hot. Each episode, we cover an aspect of sex that impacts your sex life and something that you can relate to. So if you find our discussions helpful, please give us a review on iTunes or Stitcher. We would love it if you would tell a friend about us. You can find us also on the web at foreplayrst.com. And if you have a comment or a topic that you'd like us to talk about, we'd love to hear from you. Please send them to us at info at foreplayrst.com. Thanks for listening. Now on to today's topic. Okay, so Adam, this episode we're going to do a mailbag. We love our mailbags, don't we? Yeah. We're so appreciative thank you. of everybody that's writing in. Yeah, thank you so much. Keep sending them. We this- have one one person, you know, you know who you are. You just went on a vacation, <laughs> but we thank you for all the mails that you've been sending in and all the messages. We we like getting them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So we have one this week, Lori, that is from somebody who comes from a religious background. And we know we've we've actually had a episode on sex and religion. Yeah, um, sex and spirituality. Look yeah. back at that one if you want to. Yeah. And so, you know, religion does a lot of different things. Spirituality does a lot of things when we mix it with sex. It's some good stuff, lots of good stuff, but sometimes it can have negative effects as well. Right. And so this person is talking about how they have recently come to understand that God wants them to enjoy sex. And so they're trying to move into that. So this is what they what they say. In the last few years, I've done almost a complete 180 in what I consider acceptable with my husband. The problem is my head and my heart are on board right up until it's time to do it. For some reason, all my old anxieties won't go away. And my husband and I are in a rut. We are up for anything. But when we try to do those things, we feel too uncomfortable inhibited. What's our deal? We really want to improve our sex life together. Help. Okay. That's great. Great question. I want to say something about how people's feelings about religion, God, like impacts their sex life. And also, though, I want to start with their life. I mean, Mm -hmm. one of the things that I have found 
when I talk to people about their experience of the spiritual yeah. is it's often very much shaped by their experience of their family. Yeah, you know, if their family is secure and loving, they experience a loving God. You yeah. know, if their family is rigid and you know, harsh, they seem to experience a punishing, legalistic kind of yeah. spirituality. And and even though their head and intellect may say, you know, God is love, they're often shaped by their in their spiritual experience, their first image of God, if you will, is their parents, you know, yeah. the love of their parents. And so I think that this while we talk about potentially religion or a religious tradition impacts us, you know, I I want people out there to be really thoughtful. You know, Mm. is this really the teaching that you're following? Because like you said, Adam, sometimes the teachings are full of grace and abundance and, you know, sex is good and sex is a part of the the spiritual religion. And but sometimes they feel like, you know, no, it's forbidden. And like, where does that come from? Well, and I think I think what you're talking about, you can make a direct application to how they feel about sex, right? If they see God as rigid and their parents, their experience of their parents and religion is that way, there's yeah. a lot of times where they their parents are probably not talking about sex a whole lot. Their view of sex gets directly transferred onto what's going on with them, their, their image, their view of sex, how they feel about yeah. sex. So I think what you're talking about, it becomes, it's almost a one, it's almost a one-to-one parallel in a lot of ways. Wouldn't you say that that, yeah. that, that um, translation comes I, into adulthood for them? I think so. I had a girlfriend whose father was a pastor and we were really good friends growing up. And after she got married, she went through this sexual lull, you know, it's mm. a couple years in, maybe it was longer than that. And she told her mother, You know, Mm. I'm just like, I'm not that into it. Mm. I'm not that into it. And her mother comes out and says, you know, this is the best part of what God has for you. What are you kidding? (laughs) This is fantastic. This is this is the most exciting part of life. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, what a a fabulous, like, underscoring of support for sexuality and from your mother, no less, and from your parents who are, you know, religious figures. And Mm -hmm. I mean, it was just like so fantastic. Yeah, but no, I that's think very freeing for her, probably. Very as well. freeing, and and not just freeing; it was a push. Oh yeah, you know, it was yeah. a push toward being sexual. Yeah, and I I think that a lot of religious traditions, you know, particularly there's this, you know, before you get married, there's a lot of okay, sex is for marriage, mm. and so there's a lot of don't do it, mm. and then compile that with maybe anxiety from the family of don't do it because. You could get pregnant or you could get somebody pregnant or you could get a disease and, you know, or I mean, there's a lot of don't do it out there. And then suddenly they get married and it's do it, do it, do it. The switch is supposed to be magically turned on at at the I do's right right there at the altar. There's supposed to be a sexual switch that gets flipped Mm -hmm. and and everything. All of a sudden, everything's okay. Right. right, and that sounds a lot. It sounds a lot. What what is happening with this person as well is that mm-hmm. there's a there's a switch that's been flipped almost, um, as far the as off switch. W- all, what they find to be acceptable, and and all of a sudden now it's it's hard to move back in there. Yeah, and I, I think a lot too when we talk about sex and religion. I think one of the things that we have to be aware of. Uh, you you said it well about the teaching, mm-hmm. but I think a lot of times there's just a lot of religious traditions. There is a lack of information about yes. sex. 
that, com- yes. that comes into it. So it's not just what that they're communicating don't do it. It's that they're not communicating at all about it. Right. right? If you experience a religious upbringing, it's almost devoid of anything sexual at right. all. Right. I, I mean, I had a patient who came in and said they were from a religious tradition that had said no premarital sex. Mm-hmm. And so they actually got to the wedding night virgins and with very little sexual experience. But one of the problems had been that even in their premarital teaching and and all the advice and counsel from the people that were around them was don't even read a book about sex because Mm. that will ignite your lust and Mm. then you will become these uncontrollable beasts and you will cross this line. And so they came to the experience with so much ignorance. Well, think, of, think about think about what that implies, too. I love what that implies. The underlying implication there is that there's this underlying beast that's about to be let out, and then yes. all of a sudden they get there, and they're supposed to not all of a sudden be afraid of the beast anymore. Right. right? And right. so they're like, so all their energy has gone into controlling the supposed beast, and then they get they get to the wedding night, and they're supposed to just... What, let that out all of a sudden without even knowing how to do it? I mean, there's just there's a lot of fear involved in that. There is. And I think that the idea that sex is an uncontrollable mm-hmm. force is really frightening because, you know, if you let go into yeah. that uncontrollable force, even in marriage, mm-hmm. you know, what happens? There's this fear of, I, I think, another patient just this week, actually, I think, said to me that, you know, my fear is if I'm sexual— in the relationship, I'm so open that mm-hmm. then I catch these sexual vibes out there from other people. And mm-hmm. I only want to be stimulated sexually by one person, my partner. And and what they meant by that, Adam, was so narrow. I mean, mm-hmm. it was like, I don't want to have any thought in my head that is sexual other than my good-looking partner mm-hmm. and the way my partner touched me. I don't want to be aware of other good-looking people. I don't want to be aware of... A song, a movie, a stimulating thought, a fantasy, because these things would take away from kind of the purity of our love. And I'm like, but you can't be a sexual being. I mean, this is what's frustrating to me. You can't be a sexual being without living in that tension. No matter what your faith is, I think to be sexual is to be alive to input. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can make decisions, right? You can make sure. rational decisions that say, this is what's important to me. This is my value system, and I won't cross these lines because of that. But to shut down so thoroughly that you can't experience anything sexual yeah. around you, to me, you have to be fairly shut down. Yeah, I think we could draw a parallel to what a lot of people do with emotions as well, uh, to what you're talking about as far as like, I think we all could acknowledge that if you're emotionally shut down, that's not a good thing. Yes. And so, but you not don't always, we don't always encourage, we want you to feel emotion, but we don't want you to act out of emotion, right? We don't right. want you to just, you know, act so. Act angrily so every think, time you feel it. Or, yeah. So yeah. I think what some people might hear you say and going, what if the, the sexual beast comes out, then I'm just humping everything in sight, right? And it's like, <laughs> Adam, did no. you just say humping? <laughs> I did. I did. Because I think that's what, I think that's, I think that's what people think that there were just, that if you, if you have a sexual thought or if you have input, like you're saying, all of a sudden that all. You're just uncontrolling. Uh, you're uncontrollable, and all of a sudden you become an animal right. that can't control yourself. And, and I would still say that there is a social construct that is overlaid, right? That men are the animals, sure, and women shouldn't have any beast or animal in her, really, mm-hmm. to be very good. 
There's a social pressure that says she should not know what she likes. She should not know how she wants to be touched because that implies either prior experience, especially in the model of, Mm -hmm. you know, purity, or that implies somehow or another she's thinking about it and and good girls don't think about it. And, you know, pure women don't think about it. And so it's like the man is the beast and she's the controller. Yeah. She's the the gatekeeper on the beast. <laughs> she's she's the brake basically. She's the brake yeah. and he's the engine. Yeah. But th- but the tragedy is then women never get to, you know, run the machine, right? Yeah. So this this person that's writing in, she's dealing with both of those things, right? Yes. The 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 inhibition is not just about the religious stuff. It's also going to be about gender and about everything that you're talking about that yeah. that, go, that goes into that. Yeah. And if you come, I, I mean, I think this person, it sounded like, we, we're not saying it, but they came from a tradition that probably came from a family of religious mm-hmm. people as well. And so, like you said, there might not have been information or there might have been a model that said, you know, this is not something that we talk about or it's just for marriage and we'll talk to you when you get married, which is like... You know, in some ways it's too late because what about the wedding night? Yeah. Well, and that it's not for enjoyment. And I think that's what one of the the, right. the switches that has been it's for procreation. Thrown. Yeah, that's it's... one of the things that it sounds like that she's come to through her email is that she does now start to, is starting to see it as enjoyment, which is a step, which often I think is is one of the key first steps. But I think acknowledging all of these different barriers that can be thrown up for people that keep them the I love the description that she used the head and the heart aren't in alignment right right her head is saying one thing but her heart is saying another Um, and it may be true for him as well and so bringing them into alignment probably starts a lot with acknowledging all of the roadblocks that they have to deal with some of them they may know like she's acknowledging the religious one may not be acknowledging the gender one, may not be acknowledging the way, the, the specific way, way that right. the family talked mm-hmm. about it, um, way that friends talked about it, maybe first some experiences that they had that were really negative with the opposite sex physically early in life. All those things, right. like just the roadblocks that get thrown up for us, that can be massive to try to get around because that's a doing that in your head alone, like, is difficult enough, not including bringing the heart along with it. Right. And there, l- let's come back to this after our break. Yeah. Because we got a lot to talk about. Okay, so we are talking about the religious impact and inhibition on sex. And is it truly religion or is it something else? And how do you get through it in a way that maintains integrity with what you feel is right for your faith and your spirituality? Wanting Sex Again. How to Rediscover Desire and Heal a Sexless Marriage by Certified Sex Therapist Lori Watson. Each chapter is designed to fix one of the problems that cause low libido from early marriage through the childbearing years, even all the way through menopause. I've also had men read it and tell me that for them it was the most hopeful thing they read about resolving sexual problems. Look for Wanting Sex Again on Amazon.com. You can also talk to Lori Watson for therapy in person or via Skype. I offer couples counseling and sex therapy and I think about both aspects of the relationship, emotional intimacy and sexual technique and that combination together helps marriages be happy. Weekend couples intensives are also offered. Improve your sex and improve your relationship with Awakening Center for Couples and Intimacy. Find out more at awakenloveandsex.com. Awaken what's possible. 
it is one of my great joys in life to be able to really help individuals and couples find strength in their relationships and really find hope again. Licensed marriage and family therapist, Dr. Adam Matthews from Matthews Counseling. I work with a wide variety of issues, including depression and anxiety, marital issues, issues with adolescence. I believe that therapy should be designed around you, that it should be personalized to who you are and to your unique situation. Therapy is available in office, online, and by phone. I want therapy to be comfortable for everyone. At our office, you'll find that we sit around a fireplace in deep, comfortable chairs, look at the problem differently, and offer practical solutions for you to take home and utilize outside of the therapy room. Schedule today and rediscover hope. You can find me on the web at matthewscounseling.net. Matthew's with one T. You can contact us through email or phone and find a lot of resources on our website, matthewscounseling.net. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Window. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. So welcome back to Foreplay Radio Sex Therapy. We're talking about religion and sex and repression and, you know, how sometimes some spiritual traditions uh, might be difficult to experience full freedom sexually if there's a repressive message. And and we want to clarify, we don't believe all religion and all religions offer that. We, We believe some of them are at least intellectually. Well, and a lot of them that even that might do may not have to in different denominations or right. I think me and you could go could be raised in the same religion and have different experiences yes. of of what that means. Right. Right. And so when you look at this couple in particular that's writing in mm-hmm. and that's asking this question, mm-hmm. like what what kind of tips would you start to give them in places you would want to start to go to say because they're like they've said they're cognitively, their head is is saying yes, their heart, they're getting into it and starting to try to pursue this their heart is saying, is, is holding them up, right? Okay. It's making them start. So what would, where would you want to go well, I think with this couple? One of the things they talked about were the use of sex toys. Yeah. And I mean, sex toys, I had one person who was from a very religious cult who came to me and, and talked about how to have an orgasm. And then through the use of a vibrator, mm-hmm. actually was able to experience orgasm for the first time. And the use of the sex toy was legitimate in several different reasons. Mm-hmm. One, it was outside the scripture. Mm-hmm. This invention came outside of the scripture. So as far as they were concerned, there was nothing against it at all. Yeah, I think that for some of them, there's a fear that anything other than two bodies yeah. is bad, right? It's not, mm-hmm. it's not pure enough. Yeah. But but I think about, you know, there's age-old tradition, right, of what about candlelight and silk? Mm-hmm. And, I mean, all of that is an accoutrement. Yeah. You know, one of the things that I think you're saying that would be really helpful for this couple is I think they hear to come from a maybe a stricter background when it comes to sex, mm-hmm. one that doesn't talk about it. And then they the light bulb goes off, sex is for enjoyment, and they go right into sex toys. Um, uh-huh. Like, I think... 
And probably when they're talking about sex toys, they're thinking of vibrators, they're thinking of other things. And not that those things aren't bad to use, but I think one of the things that you just hit on that I think would be very good is for them to have some kind of progression, some kind of buildup <laughs> into Did this Did I just thing. go too fast? I well, I, from- I mean... Repression I, to sex to toys. Sex toys. <laughs> I mean, that's where Whoops. that's where I think that's what I think like is one of the things that they could be really struggling with is that they're Zero jumping to in. 90. Yes. Yeah. And so have they the question I would have for them is what you were saying. Like have they started with, you know, silk sheets? Have they started with candlelight? Have they started adding other things like that that doesn't jump like I I wouldn't recommend them jumping right into whips and stilettos right from this kind of <laughs> This kind of you thing. You can't jump in stilettos, That's Adam. Probably, uh, well, I mean, <laughs> not that I would no know. No jumping in, too. <laughs> but, I mean, I think, they, I think they have to move. They have to do some of these things at a much slower pace than maybe their mind is, is fully engaged in and ready for. Well, what do you think about uh, that? Okay. Uh, I, maybe I did start with something, you know, way out there. But since I'm on sex toys, I, <laughs> I agree that potentially there's other things that they could use to, you know, create a better atmosphere or more enjoyment that wouldn't be as wild sounding as sex toys. And I know some of you out there who are listening are like nearly turned off now, like wild sex toys. Oh no, my gosh, well, you know, but brother. Yeah, that, but but we're trying people, to help the people who are more repressed. Yeah, for the, for, so, well, for yeah, coming out of that, they may have come out from a family that never talked about sex Yeah, to talking about vibrators. And, and they were a like big gap, in, in a, a culture, jump. right? They're yeah. in a community of people who would not talk about using sex toys. I mean, their their brothers and sisters in their community are not saying, "Hey, how, what do you do?" That's you right. Know? They're you know, not going to share this with their. They're family. not going to share that, or you know, nothing. Mm-hmm. But I think one problem with sex toys is that people within particular expressions of religion view it as masturbation, mm. right? And there's so much that some traditions view masturbation as wrong, even if even if that means you're touching your body during the sex act, that's masturbation. And some people are really, really strict on that. I mean, honestly, I know a young woman who was told by her pastor's wife, you know, but if you touch yourself, it's like, you know, it's not really the fullest thing. You know, he Mm -hmm. should be touching. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. You know, do you know, for the record, that the odds of a woman having an orgasm go up by nearly 50 percent if she participates in the sex act Mm -hmm. by touching herself? And what I would say is it's the two-backed beast. You mm. know, when, when two people are making love, it is one body with two backs, mm. and whose hand is touching whose part, it's one flesh, yeah. right? It's one thing. So it doesn't matter if it's your hand or his hand or anything. And and we here at, you know, Foreplay Radio Sex Therapy, we are obviously trying to help committed couples keep it hot. So we're talking about something within the bounds of fidelity, yeah. but we're talking about, you know, something that I, I don't even see that in the realm uh, as masturbation. And if it's a toy or if it's a silk scarf or, mm. you know, if it's oral sex, I mean, all of that is one body doing yeah. something to itself that, you know, feels good. And to me, if it's happening between two people, it's holy and good. Mm-hmm. I mean, to me, I don't know any greater expression of love than what two people do together in bed, as long as nobody's objecting, nobody's being hurt, and it adds to their sense of fun and closeness. I mean, I think it's all good. And it sounds like they've gotten there, too, because I think that one of the struggles 
is I think they probably are listening to that and going, yeah, we're, you know, we're, we're, we're good. We're, we're there. Let's, let's go. It's reconciling that in the moment Mm -hmm. that I think could be, could be potentially is where some, Mm -hmm. some of the difficulty comes in. I think they have to be on board. I think maybe they probably have to talk to each other about exactly what you're talking about and make sure they're on the same page. It sounds like they have, but I think they could also be making some assumptions there about each other and making sure that they've they've had that conversation to say, okay, we're on the same page with this. We both feel like this is okay. This is good. This is what we want to participate in together and move into that. Um, right, that they find full, agreement. That they find, agree, that they find agreement on that before they try that and be very, and are very explicit in their agreement, right? When you say yes. like they have to be, when you're talking about all the things you mentioned, sex toys, mm-hmm. mutual masturbation, oral sex, like they have to be, I mean, any couple does, but they have to be in full agreement that the that these things are okay, and we find we both find them to be acceptable in our relationship. They do have to both be on the same page, but a lot of times people have differing degrees of sort of legalism, right? Sometimes mm-hmm. some people are more free and feel good about something, and the other person is anxious. Like, well, what if this leads us to the den of iniquity? You know, what if, <laughs> you know, this one wrong step means that, you know, our marriage is over and you're going to step outside the, yeah. the main boundaries of our commitment to each other as faithful to each other sexually. I see that come up a lot with couples when they entertain the ideas of fantasy. Mm. You know, like, how do we tell each other what turns each other on without threatening the other person or without the worry that, oh, my gosh, my partner just told me about, you know, they they want to do it with three chimpanzees. And, (laughs) you know, I'm now threatened, you know, because Cheetah lives next door. And, you know, how how do I let my partner have an erotic space, an erotic mind Mm. that maybe is bigger than yeah. I could have ever imagined. I mean, I think that what we do with our partner is a very small subset mm. of probably what we all imagine. I think, right? I think, yeah, what I hear you saying is that there's the possibility that they're each going into their sexual life agreeing with their head, but then getting scared in the moment that they're going to freak their partner out, that they're yeah. going to do something outside of the bound, out of bounds and they're, they're, or, it, or they feel freaked out by yeah. what their partner has told them they think about yeah. or that they imagine. And, and I think that's probably the scariest place is how mm. do I get comfortable? Like, okay, we've, we've agreed on this, which most people have agreed on fidelity. Yeah. But how do I allow for you to have wild thoughts and tell me about them so that we can enjoy that energy? I mean, I think the sexiest thing about anybody, frankly, is their mind. I mean, over time, our bodies change. Our bodies fall apart and wrinkle and, you know, I mean, they literally change. Nobody is as hot at 80 as they were at 20. You know, I mean, 20-year-old bodies are absolutely beautiful and it's a progression. And so what keeps people sexual is often in their mind. How do we share that as a couple? How do we do that without necessarily violating a religious tenet? I mean, what would you say? You know, if a person said, well, you know, I can think about, you know, Susie Q next door, but I don't want to tell my wife that I fantasize about that because it's wrong within our tradition and she might feel threatened. And but I have this mind, you know, that thinks all kinds of things and I don't know what to do with that. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think there's 
I think that there has to be a there has to be a safe place that's built with with a couple for that, especially if they're coming from a place of uh, more dogmatic religion. It's again almost like I don't know how to say this exactly, but I'll say it and then you can correct me okay. if I'm wrong. But more that they're just like we talk about emotion. There's not there's not a bad emotion, right? Right. Like there's not a I I can't my emotions just happen. But I can't act out of every emotion that I have, mm-hmm. right? And so it's okay that I have that emotion. If I have the feeling that I want to just take off and abandon everything that I have, that emotion is not bad between me and my wife. If I do that, though, that's it, bad. That's that's where I'm I'm getting I messed up. So, and so having that shared space where we both have been able to say, if you had a thought about what did you say, Susie Q next door? Yeah, Susie Q next Susie door. Susie Q next door. If I have a thought about her then it's a safe space for me to share that. It's probably not safe unless there's something else that's going on that's beyond the scope of this podcast right now if I go out and pursue her. So what I'm hearing you say is actions and thoughts are different. Yeah. But the problem is some traditions, right, believe that they are the same thing, that actions are the same as thoughts in terms of our commitment to purity or our commitment to fidelity even. Mm-hmm. Like if you think about another woman, you've as good as had sex with her. Mm. And so it, it's so hard, right? Because how do we stay, keep that openness to the sexual life and walk such a tight, narrow line that says any sexual thought you know, is therefore wrong? Yeah. I mean, I think we, we've talked about this several times and this is – to me, where it, what it comes back to for me is that we've got to continually turn back toward each other in our couplehood, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And and so in that, like me and my wife, if I had continual thoughts about the woman next door, right? Yes. And I'm sharing that with my wife. Yes. That conversation is a safe conversation. It does not mean that my wife is not going to go, what's going on with you continually having thoughts about her next mm-hmm. door? Do we need to talk about, do we need to... Is there something that needs to happen? I mean, if you're having regular thoughts about the woman next door and you're telling your wife regularly about it, in some ways, that is keeping the intimacy between you and your wife. That's what I mean. You are not sharing these thoughts with the the woman next door. I'm not doing it. You're not flirting with the the woman next door. You're not pursuing Susie Q. And sometimes that, you know, those sexual thoughts could be explored. Like, why is it? What is attractive about this person? What do I feel? I mean, it's hard to have those conversations. It is really hard. It takes a lot of maturity. But But they can it can really add to your sexual life if you can figure them out. Yeah. And I think that that like that's a continually turning toward her. And and so if there is a thought and to your point about the that some religions thinks that the thought is is bad. I think that there may be some things that we could probably get into. I don't know that we, we want to, but we could probably get into that would be something that we would have to say, okay, let's talk more about this. But being able to turn back toward them is going to be much better than the alternative of me keeping it inside. Let's say we, we ended up thinking through this and we came up with a thought that me and you would both agree that's not a good thought to have, uh-huh. right? It It's still better for me to turn back to my wife and share that rather than to keep that and hold on to that inside and worry about how bad a person I am, that but, the beast is going to overwhelm that and consume yeah. that, you know. But, but the point that you made, I think, of turning toward your partner into a safe space, 
mm-hmm. is what makes that possible. I mean, yeah. if you're turning to toward your partner and they're going to punish you for how bad you are for this this piece inside, mm-hmm. and the, and you're not going to make meaning of it together. Yeah. That can be a, a place that isn't safe, and therefore people begin to keep secrets inside. They deaden themselves to the alive sexuality that's possible for them in, you know, within a more narrow construct. So, Lori, I wanted to just mention, too, before we ended, a couple of tips for this couple that are trying to kind of align their head and heart again, trying to, they got mentally, it got around, they've kind of done some of the work that we've talked about, or it sounds like. If they haven't, they need to go back and do it. But wanting to give them just a couple of tips to try to move forward in that. I think mine would be, number one, we mentioned it, go slow. Don't go mm-hmm. for, don't jump in and go for the whole enchilada right away, right? Go, right. To, go to something that's the least intimidating for them and then continue to progress as they get more and more comfortable with it. And then the other thing is make sure that they're exploring any kind of old beliefs that they may be holding on to tighter mm-hmm. than what they are. One of the ones that um, really struck me that as we were talking is probably is one of the fears that they're going to be punished if they think wrongly about this or that they they go too far in when they're having sex they go too far in one direction and they the fear that they might be punished is that still is that something right. that they're still oh, yeah, holding I think on so to too. and so that's what just exploring that with each other to see what are the ones that they can let go of that they may they may be holding on to that they not they're not even aware of and i would say the last tip is you know go with joy oh yeah you know if one. you have your your broad boundaries Mm-hmm. then I think anything in between is good. Yeah. If you're feeling loved by it and you're feeling loved by your partner and you're not violating your moral basis of going outside the marriage, you know, everything's game within as long as both people are comfortable and feel like it adds to their pleasure. It's like, to me, th- that is a wholly good thing. Yep. I love it. Go with joy. Go this with be, joy. This should be how we end every Go podcast. Go with joy. Go with joy. <laughs> okay. You're listening to Foreplay Radio Sex Therapy with Dr. Adam Matthews and your sex therapist, Lori Watson. Hey, help us stay on top here at Foreplay. We'd love it if you would subscribe and share it with your friends. And please take one sec and rate and review us. Thanks so much. 